It's good to be with you all today. We are on our fourth of the Big Five, our fourth week in the Big Five series. Um, So today we're going to be looking at the fourth question. And and I want to ask you a a question here in a minute, but I want to start by just by looking back at the three questions we've had. And I want want to point you to something. If, If you have missed any of the last three weeks and maybe you just want to get caught up, you could go on the website, wcn.church, and there is a current series tab, and you can follow, you can go back and listen to the messages, there's resources for you there, and so I really want to encourage you all to, to be caught up in this series. I know that sometimes we can't help it, we miss church, we go out of town, and so if you want to get caught up, um, head to the website, that's a good place to do it. Um, but our first three questions, just to go back through, the first question was, who do you say that I am? Um, this was Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? And the answer that Peter gave was, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And, and so this question is important for us, who do you say that I am? We have to know that God, that Jesus is Messiah in our lives in order for us to follow Christ. The second question was, do you understand what I've done for you? And, and Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and, and once again been a servant to the disciples. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? And in that second week we talked about being able to see God at work in our lives, not just what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross and in and, and the resurrection, but that Jesus is at work every day in our lives. And then the third question was, are you listening to me? And this is the idea that that God is constantly speaking to us, that we have the Holy Spirit in us, leading us and guiding us every day as to how we can live like Christ, how we can follow. And and so those are our first three questions. Today we're going to get to the fourth question, but first I want to ask you a different question, and that's this. This will set the stage for where we're going to be today. Have you ever made a big promise or a big claim that you didn't keep? Raise your hand if you've ever made a big promise or a big claim that you didn't keep. All right, some of you are just not telling the truth today. (laughs) Or or we'll get you woken up, that's fine. Um, I was thinking about this. I've thought about telling a couple different stories, but some people are in the room and I didn't want to embarrass them. But um, this past week, something happened. I've talked about this up here before. Something happened in our house. I think it was Thursday night. Um, Eli had football practice, so Megan took Eli to practice, and we threw a bunch of um, you know, frozen chicken nuggets in the oven. Instead of going and buying them for McDonald's as we usually do, we put frozen chicken nuggets in the oven and we made this big pan of chicken nuggets. And, and I've talked about this before. This is something my kids do all the time. But I said, oh, the, the nuggets came out. I pulled them out. I put them on the stove. I said, all right, dinner's ready. And I said, um, how many do you guys want? Have any of you ever asked your kids how many chicken nuggets or how many of a certain kind of food they want? My kids always throw out big promises and big claims of what they're going to do. Usually it's with White Castle. I'll take 20 of them. And then they eat two of them. And I don't buy them 20. But, but we made all these nuggets. And I, I said, how many do you want? And Charlie's the first one. Charlie says, I want seven. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and I took five and I put them on a plate. And I thought, he's probably not even going to eat these five. And I said, all right, Sam, how many do you want? I want six. Okay, here's five. Here's five of them. Take your plate. Jack, how many do you want? And I don't even think he answered. I just gave him two, I think. Um, But what happens always happened that day. 
Charlie got his five nuggets on his way to his big claim, his big promise of eating seven, and you know how many he ate? Three, yeah, that's, you guys know, three. He ate three of them. And Sam had five, and you know how many he ate? I don't know, I, I wasn't paying attention, but he didn't eat any more than five, I promise you that, because there were a lot of nuggets still on the tray, but this is, I mean, that, that's a little fun story, but let's be honest. We've all probably at some point made some claim or some promise that we didn't follow through with or that we failed on. Uh, may, maybe, it's, maybe it's I'm going to go do this. I was thinking about this. We went to Canada. I told you about climbing the mountain. When, as a man, when I see something, I constantly think about, can I climb that? Can I jump over that? Can I do that? In, in fact, we took a trip to Tennessee with my teens when I was in South Carolina, and there was a pool table. And you know what? When, when you see a pool table, what do you think? Hey, I should play pool. Not me. When I see a pool table, you know what I think? I'm going to jump over that thing. I'm going to jump it. And, and by the way, I don't jump well, and I'm not fast. And so, but, but that's how I think, and I think a lot of us do this. We we make these big promises. Maybe it's New Year's resolutions. Maybe it's, it's one day you said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to... And you make these big promises that, that maybe you don't keep. Well, as we find our way to the fourth question, I want us to understand, I think that question, I think that thought of a big promise, a big thing that, that we just failed on, kind of sets the stage for this question, for the the context of what we're going to see today. See, all three of the first questions um, were, were questions that Jesus asked the disciples. And all three of those questions, when Jesus asked the disciples the questions, who piped up and answered? Peter. See, Peter was the guy that was always in the middle of everything. He was always the one that was bold, that was making the big promises and the big claims. Do any of you know that guy? The Peter, the guy that's always in the middle of everything and always, has, are any of you that, that guy or that girl? Yeah, yes you are. That, actually, the story was about you, Adam, but I'm not going to tell it. I'll tell you later. If you want to hear a story about Adam that's really funny, uh, making a promise that he couldn't keep, find me later. Um, <laughs> I digress. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the first question Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Peter gets it right. He's the first one. That's great. The second question, do you understand what I've done for you? He's washed his feet. And Peter is the first one to say, no, I don't want you washing my feet. You're, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. I told you that. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no place with me. And, and so Peter, as, as usual, well, then wash all of me. Come on, give me all of it. Let, let me have it. And, and, and so Peter's always the one stepping up. The third question comes on the mountain when Jesus is transfigured and, and Peter, of course, pipes up and says, hey, I can build you shelters. You know, let me take care of this. Peter's always the one that's bold, that's making these big claims. And that kind of sets us up for this fourth question. Um, and, and I think the good news is this. When I ask you, have you ever made a promise that you couldn't keep? Have you ever failed to follow through? Have you ever said that you could eat seven chicken nuggets and only ate five? That's a really silly example, but, but if you've ever done that, I think that you're in a perfect place to hear the question, 
that Peter heard in this time. And so that fourth question is this. Do you love me? And then the response, not from Peter, but Jesus' response, after Peter responds and says, yes, I love you, the the response from Jesus is, feed my sheep. That's our fourth question. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Now that seems like a simple question. That seems really easy. But I want you to understand that this context, the the context of this question is so loaded, it's so huge. Like I said, the first three questions were asked to the disciples, and, and Peter just jumped out and answered them. This question was specifically asked to Peter. And in the context of, I, I want you to put yourself in this place. It might be hard to, but I want you to put yourself in this place. See, at this point, Jesus has returned. He has, he's gone to the cross. He's died. He's resurrected. He's shown himself to the disciples. And he's come back. And, and, and at this point, Jesus has been with the disciples. And he tells them, go to Galilee. And so they go to Galilee. And while they're in Galilee, Peter says, hey, let's go fishing. Now, I want want to tell you, in in today's message, I did a lot of studying for this, and there's a lot of different beliefs and opinions about why Peter did certain things and what certain words mean. I'm going to do my best to give you the most accurate picture. But, But the disciples see Jesus, they go to Galilee, and while they're in Galilee, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. (coughs) Now, some people believe that that act of Peter to go fishing was really an act of turning away from his faith. I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going to go fish because that's what we used to do. We were fishermen before Jesus came along. Other people believe that they just didn't know what to do. See, Jesus had been resurrected. He had shown up. He had said, go to Galilee, but they didn't know what was next. So they're sitting there and Peter says, hey, we, we need to eat, right? Let's go do some fishing. I, I don't want to get into what happened, or, and I'll be honest with you. I don't know the reason that they went fishing. That's not important today. But what's important is that's where we find them, is they're out fishing. They're, they're doing what they, they know and love, and at, that, at this point it says that they've, they've caught zero fish. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up on the shoreline, about 100 yards away is is my understanding. And he calls out to him and he says, hey, how's the fishing going? And the disciples say, we've caught nothing. There's nothing out here. I mean, obviously, it's the fish's fault, right? We've caught nothing. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat? You guys have probably heard this story before. They throw their net on the other side of the boat. It says they can't even bring the net in because there's so many fish. And and so at this point, at this point, this happens. They've caught all these fish. It's said at the beginning that they didn't recognize Jesus. And so I'm going to pick up in John chapter 21, verse 7 now. It says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, this is typical Peter, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. 
The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And so Jesus shows up. I don't know why they were out there fishing. Maybe they had abandoned what Jesus had for them. Maybe they just needed to go fishing. Let's not get into that. But, but Jesus shows up, says, throw your nets on the other side. They, they get a bunch of fish, and all of a sudden, the disciples realize it's Jesus. And what does Peter do? He does what he always does. He dives straight into the water and swims to shore. Because if Jesus is there... He wants to be there. That's Peter. But, but I want to point your attention to something that this is one of those things that in studying just blows my mind. There in verse 9, it says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. This is incredible stuff. I had never heard this before this week. But the word used for burning a fire of burning coals is only used one other place in all of Scripture. Do you know where that word is used? It's used on the night that Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. You know where Peter denies knowing Jesus? You know where he epically fails on his promise of dying for Jesus? By a fire of burning coals, the same word used in two places and nowhere else in the Bible. See, Jesus is up to something here. I don't think this is a coincidence. And so we have this encounter where the disciples are out fishing and Jesus shows up and Peter realizes and he dives in and he swims and, and there is Jesus around a fire with burning coals. Now whether Peter realized that or not at the moment, we don't know. But, but Jesus is up to something. And, and this idea of burning coals would call our attention back. I don't know if it called Peter's attention back to the place of his biggest failure. His biggest promise he made to Jesus that he didn't keep. So this is a significant setting. And we pick it up in verse 15. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time, He said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So I ask you the question, have you ever made a huge promise that you totally failed on. The truth is Peter had made some huge promises about his love for Jesus, his devotion to Jesus, and he had totally failed. Because not too long before this, 
when he was with Jesus, he made a claim like this. Jesus, I would die for you even if all these other people fall away. I will die for you. I will do anything for you. And then, at a fire of burning coals, three times, Peter denies Jesus. He fails big time. And so, at this fire of burning coals, Jesus asks him, how many times? Three times, do you love me? Are you picking up on some symbolism here? Jesus has basically taken Peter back to the place of his biggest failure. He's taken him back to this, the biggest failure in his life. This big promise that he made that he, he couldn't follow through on. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep. It says that last time that, that Peter is hurt. Now, I'm assuming that Peter is hurt because he knows very well that he betrayed Jesus or he denied Jesus three times. And here Jesus is asking him three times if he loves him. And Peter is hurt because he knows that he's failed. He knows that he's blown it. And it almost seems like Jesus is rubbing it in. But, but I got good news. That's not what Jesus was doing here. Jesus did take Peter back to the place of his biggest failure. He did ask him three times, do you love me? But, but Jesus was up to something so much bigger than just making Peter feel bad or making him look bad. Jesus was up to something. So he asks, do you love me? And each time he asks, do you love me? Peter says, you know that I love you, Lord. You know that I love you. So, so I want to draw us back, because see, before when Peter would say, I love you, Jesus, I'll do anything for you, I would die for you, he was making these big promises and these big claims that were based on his ability, his, his love, his strength. And so Peter, who was always the guy that was in the middle of everything, Peter had this kind of heroic view of his love. Have any of you ever just felt like you could conquer the world for something and had that confidence that you could do anything? I've told you this story before too, but in my junior year of high school, I went to church camp on the beach at Florida. That was pretty nice in Panama City. And on the last service of church camp, I was sitting there and I was listening to a message and I clearly felt God call me to ministry, to serve him. I had been a pastor's kid my whole life. And, and I loved the church. But it was at that moment that I felt Jesus say, I want you to give your whole life to serving me in the church. And I stood up with tears in my eyes. I could hardly see where I was going. And I walked down to an altar. And I started to make some big promises to God and some big claims. God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll die for you. Whatever you want, God. You got it. And I made these big promises. And you know what? I was a junior in high school. And it didn't take long before I went back to school 
for those big claims and those big promises of what I was going to do for God to turn into my own failure and selfishness. And this kid that came to an altar with tears in his eyes and said, God, you can have everything. I'll never fail you. I'll do anything you ask. All of a sudden, I'm going to school as a senior in high school, and I'm more concerned with what the girls think of me than what I'm, what I'm doing to serve God. And I'm more concerned with being popular or how many points I scored in the basketball game than serving the God that I came and made big promises to. I can, I can relate with Peter. And so Jesus comes, he brings them to this place of failure, and he asks them three times, do you love me? Now, I want you to see something here. This is something there's some debate on. I'll be honest with you. This is something that through the week, as I've studied more and more, I've become more and more conflicted on. But the first two times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the term agapeo or agape love, which most people believe is a, a stronger love. It's a, it's a love that, that goes above and beyond kind of an unconditional love. And so Peter twice says, I mean, Jesus twice says, Peter, do you agape me? And twice, Peter, who used to say, I'll do anything for you, I'll die for you, I got your back, don't worry about me. Peter twice, when asked, do you agape, love me, Peter says, you know that I phileo love you. Now, most people believe that the word phileo is more about a brotherly love or a reciprocal love. Not an unconditional perfect love, but a love that I do in response to what, what God's done for me. Now, there are some people that believe that the, the difference in those words mean nothing. I find myself in the place that, that I think it's significant. I don't know why John would have used different words there, but twice Jesus says, do you agape me? And Peter says, you know that I phileo love you. Well, the third time, Jesus says, do you phileo love me? And Peter's hurt, and he says, you know all things, and you know that I phileo love you. Listen, I'm, I'm not... I'm not telling you 100% gospel truth that these words have those exact meanings, and that, but I can tell you that what's going on here is Peter had made some big promises in the past. Peter had a pretty big view of his love and his ability and what he was going to do for God. And Peter had completely failed to deliver on the promises that he had made. And at this point, I, I have to think it's significant that when Jesus says, do you agape love me? Peter says, you know that I phileo love you. See, something's changed here. Whether the words mean something different or not, what we see here is a change in who Peter is and the way that he responds to Jesus. He doesn't jump up and say, yes, Jesus, I'll do anything, I'll die for you. Peter knows that he's failed. And he says, Lord, you know that I love you, that I phileo love you. There's been a change and Peter, his demeanor has changed. And so Peter realizes that the best love he can give is a love not based on his own power, 
but in the perfect love that comes from Christ. His love is a response to God's love. What has happened here is big old mighty Peter, who said, I will do anything, I can do anything for you, Lord, has come to the place that he said, I love you, Lord. You've done so much for me. Yes, I love you. Do you see the difference here? There's a clear change in bravado and arrogance that, that Peter displayed because he knows that he's failed. So that first year, I went to church camp and I said, God, I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you. And about a year later, I was sitting in a district assembly, a district assembly of all places, as an 18-year-old. And I was sitting towards the back as I usually like to do. And I was clowning around and I was just thinking about all the other things. I, I'm, I was probably hanging out with my friends. And all of a sudden, it was like God got my attention again and said, hey, remember a year ago when you promised me everything? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you spending so much time worrying about who likes you and who doesn't like you? Why are you so consumed with your reputation and how many points you score in a basketball game? Do you love me? Will you follow me? And a year later, I had this moment where I said, yes, Lord. I didn't say I'm going to go conquer the world for you. I didn't say I'm going to do everything. I said, yes, Lord, I will be obedient to you. And if I'm being really honest with you today, I'm still learning I am still learning to love and trust God and not to do it all in my own power because there are days that I think, oh man, if I could just be successful, oh man, if I just preach the best sermons, maybe I write a good book, maybe our church grows, we become a mega church, woo! I'm still learning that this isn't about my ability, this isn't about my power, this is about God's love and God's grace for me. See, it's not about me being a hero. It's about me being a servant. And so through this whole process, sure, it seems like Jesus is, is bringing Peter to a tough place. And it seems like he's, he's bringing up a difficult past, and he is. But the truth is Jesus is doing so much, something so much bigger than that. Jesus is once again calling Peter to give his life. This passage is called the reinstatement of Peter. Jesus had said, on this rock, I will build my church, Peter and the others, as we talked about the first week. Jesus hadn't given up on Peter. And I'm really thankful that after I failed time and again to deliver on the promises that I've made, that Jesus hasn't given up on me. And so there's a process going on here. Peter's growing He's learning, and I think at this point we can say that Peter has finally come to the place where he's ready to step into his calling. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus doesn't say, go conquer the world. Jesus doesn't say, go become famous. Jesus doesn't say any of that. Jesus says, do you love me? Okay, feed my sheep. Jesus says that the best way that Peter can show his love is to give himself in service to God's sheep. 
See, before he was going to be a hero, he wasn't going to let anything get in the way of Jesus. And, and Jesus says, no, if you love me, just be obedient. Just feed my sheep. Just serve. You don't have to be a hero. But if you love me, feed my sheep. See, the truth is it's not about our power or our ability and that's really good news for people like me. It's not about what I can do. It's about loving God and feeding God's sheep. Being obedient in the little things. Being obedient every day to care for those around us. So I want to I take us then to verse 18 because I want you to see Jesus then talks about the result of what's happening here. In verse 18 he says, very truly I tell you. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you, were old, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. This is pretty heavy stuff, but this is huge. Something huge happens here. Because Peter was the guy who said, I'll do anything. I'll die for you, Lord. And then you know what Peter did? He failed miserably. Now Peter's come to the place where he says, Lord, I love you. I'll be obedient. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then he goes on to say this, when you were young, you used to do whatever you want. And that takes me back to that, that year, my senior year, where I did whatever I wanted and I cared about what I cared about. But then he says, when you're older, someone else will dress you. Someone else will lead you where you do not want to go. And so Peter, all the big claims, all the big promises he made that he failed on, Jesus, after three times asking him, do you love me? And saying, feed my sheep, says, hey, Peter, I just want to tell you that before when it was all about you, you did what you wanted, you failed. Now that you're obedient, now that you're ready to feed my sheep, I want you to hear how this is going to end. And then he gives them this really difficult thing to say, you're going to give your life. You said you would give your life in your own power, in your own might, in everything you could do. And guess what? You failed. Now if you'll just be obedient to me, I'll lead you. And maybe it won't end with fame and fortune. Maybe it ends in the very promises that you made from the very beginning. Now, I'm not telling you that if you follow Jesus today, you're going to die on a cross. I'm not telling you if you follow Jesus that your life is going to be a complete mess and people are going to hate you. That's not what I'm telling you today. But what I'm telling you is this. You can make all the promises in the world. And if they're based in your power and your strength, you will fail miserably time after time. But when you're obedient to Jesus, when you're reliant on Jesus' power, when you're reliant on the Holy Spirit, you can do things that are greater than you could ever have done on your own. But it starts with feeding his sheep. He says all that, and he says, this is, he says, you know what, when you were younger, you had big hopes and big dreams, and you failed. Now, you're going to follow me, 
and it's going to lead you to die. And then he follows it with these, these words, follow me. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? If you, if you follow me, you can die. Now follow me. And what does Peter do? He follows and he feeds sheep and he's obedient. And Peter is finally ready to step into the calling that God has for him. Not because he's accomplished something or because he's so great, but because he's humbled himself and he's obedient as a servant. See, once we understand our flawed love, our flawed abilities, our flawed nature, and once we understand God's redeeming love, we are ready to share that love with others. We are ready to step into what God has for us. And so, so I just think for all of us that some of you answered, yes, I've made big promises and I haven't kept them. I would be willing to bet that there's a lot of you in here that made big promises to God and have failed. I got good news for you today. God hasn't given up on you. And I think what Jesus would tell each and every one of us today is this. He'd say, do you love me? And we'd say, yes, Lord, we do. And he'd say, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. The best way we can serve God is not by being heroes, not by conquering the world. The best way we can serve God is by loving God through loving and feeding and caring for others. So the last thing I want to get at, the band's going to come up. Um, we're going to close our service with a time of communion. But the last thing I want to impress on you is this. A lot of times we think this feed my sheep is about just going out and giving people food. Or, or maybe it's clothing people. And, and I think that's true. But sometimes we think feed my sheep is about making other people perfect for Jesus. Making sure that everybody knows Jesus and has this perfect relationship. But I think feed my sheep had a different meaning for Peter. And this is why. Because Peter had totally failed. He had totally failed at what he promised to do. And you know how Jesus cared for him? Even after he denied him three times, you know what Jesus did? Jesus went to a cross for him. Jesus died and gave everything, rose again, and then calls him into service to do what he's been calling him to do all along. You know what I think? I think feeding my sheep is about clothing and feeding and caring for our neighbor. But you know what? I think feeding my sheep is about being graceful and redeeming to others looking at others the way that Jesus looks at us. And when God has changed your life and when you failed, you're ready to be graceful and loving and redeeming to others. And so ushers are going to come and we're going to take communion together. And as you receive these elements, I just want you to do a simple thing. I want you to think about where Peter was on that night when he stood by the burning coals. I want you to think about those questions that, that Jesus asked Peter. And he must have felt so much failure. 
And he must have felt so bad because he made these promises, but he didn't keep them. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus still died for you. Even though you're not perfect, even though you blow it. As you receive those elements, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what Jesus has done for you. And then we'll take the elements and respond.